Hi, I'm Amy Schreiber. And I'm Hilary Zwallen. You're listening to The Intentionist Podcast, a place to explore integrative spirituality, intentional living, and collective evolution. Our intention is to create a dialogue that inspires you to forge your own path with curiosity, creativity, and compassion. Thanks for being here. Hello, fellow intentionists. It's episode 72 today, celebrating nature, animal communication with Kristen Hauser. Amy welcomes Kristen, who is a animal medium, to discuss her work in animal communication. She shares her process and journey and provides insights for accessing intuition, including immersion, learning for telepathy, pacing lessons from plants, and coping with doubts and community pushback. She talks about expanding the belief in what's possible and discusses the value of taking a celebratory approach to nature and what the animals can teach us about moving through times of crisis, which we so desperately need right now. She closes by channeling a helpful and hopeful message from the whales and the dolphins. So you're going to want to stick through all the way to the end because that's where she does the actual whale communication, which is really fascinating. So a little bit about Kristen. Kristen Hauser is a professional animal communicator. She lives on the West Coast and works remotely with humans and animals all over the world. In addition to private consultations that facilitate dialogue between a person and their animal companion, she also offers mentorships and workshops centered on developing one's own intuition and telepathic abilities. She believes that engaging the wildness within and around us brings us into balance within ourselves, each other, and the world. The mission of Kristen via Fauna Speak is to curate a space within human culture to honor the mystical nature of animals and ourselves, thus nurturing each being's right to sovereignty, self-discovery, and wholeness. And you can find her online at www.faunaspeak, that's F-A-U-N-A-S-P-E-A-K.com, and as well on Instagram at Fauna Speak. And without further ado, we'll get into our interview. Thanks for listening. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me today. I've been really looking forward to our conversation and I can't wait to just dive into it. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Amy. So since the last time we talked, the world looks very different and I'm sure it'll be different a week and a half from now when this is actually released. But I just want to start and dive right into learning about your journey into animal communication. So can you kind of describe the desire to do this and maybe the first experience. Talk talk to us about that. Definitely. Well, my journey began with the whales. I think many of us resonate with the whales, have a deep connection to them. We might not know on an intellectual level what that means or why we feel that way about them, but we all get excited and inspired uh, by the whales and dolphins in particular. And so when I was a young child, I was obsessed with orcas in particular. Uh, Living in a landlocked state in Kentucky, I never had interaction with them in the wild, but I would read about them in books. I watched Free Willy. I watched Flipper. I know a lot of those movies Mm -hmm. were important for y'all out there as children as well. They were deeply resonant themes about wildness and about sovereignty and about interspecies collaboration and just the, the the physicality of a whale of just looking at watching a willy breach over that wall was was a pivotal moment it was a touchstone for even now that I didn't quite realize as a child and as many of us do I was I continued to be raised and with a love for animals and um, always interacting with them as a child and 
talking to them in my own ways, reaching out to them. I always had a bunch of alley cats in my arms and following butterflies and things like that, just enjoying that carefree nature of being a child. But a lot of us undergo certain levels of of conditioning and, and things like that, that prevent us from really following, continuing to follow that curiosity as we get a little older. I personally was raised in a very religious sort of mega church environment and where there wasn't really a deep, deep connection to nature fostered, especially in the city as well. But I, I still kept my my zeal for life and my love for whales. And the whales were the ones that uh, kind of woke me up in 2014 to the potential of, of collaboration and connection with them, the potential for interspecies connection and communication that I know was, I knew was always there, that I always got so excited about. And, and they, they opened my eyes up to that in a real tangible way through a book called Communicating with Orca, The Whale's Perspective, written by my mentor and sort of initiator into this lineage of animal communication, Mary Getton. Um, And in that book, I realized there are people communicating with whales in real time, having actual conversations, putting their words to the to a printed form to be shared with all of humans and opening up this door for true collaboration on on planet Earth. So that was what initiated me into this world of animal communication. And I just was obsessed ever since. I, I it was it was my calling. I, I read three pages of the book and called up Mary and thankfully she answered and, and answered all my questions. <laughs> well that's a fascinating and beautiful practice that you're involved with. And I'm sure your perspective has kind of changed over time. Like like what was your attitude about this type of thing maybe previous to becoming more involved in, and how has it changed? I'm very curious about that part of it. Every day my relationship to this work evolves and expands. Each time we expand our awareness, it creates this new opportunity to to dive deeper. What I love about working with the animals and in anything in sort of the realm of spirit is as deep as we want to go, they will go. So when I began my relationship to animal communication, it was a lot of clearing away old blocks, old impeding thoughts that said that this wasn't possible, that there's there's a barrier between us and the animal world, that we might even be superior to the animal world or something like that. You know, like a lot of those thoughts that we were we were given and told in our society, we don't really have a lot of that built in in the Western world, these ideas of animal medicine, animal connection. We see certain parts of the country, there are totems, like mm-hmm. the Pacific Northwest has a strong connection with orca, strong connection with eagle, such like that. But there, there wasn't a lot of those things built in. And so each day as I continue to connect in with the animals, continue to, to listen and really slow down my pace so much was revealed. It, it was beyond animal communication kind of began as working with companion animals. How can we bridge that gap? How can we make everyone's lives better? How can we communicate to the humans what, the, what their animals are, are suggesting to, to improve their life, to bring sort of uh, peace and solace to the home? Uh, and then it expanded to working with the wild animals and the whales and realizing that animal communication, there's potential for conservation work 
There is potential for ambassadorial positions where we communicate on behalf of different species of animals and advocate for what they want to do with the land. And and then also there's this sort of etheric relationship with the animals where we can connect in with them energetically, anytime, any place, anywhere we are, and and feel their resonant energy and work with their energy as a sort of medicine, just as we would work with a plant medicine. Um, so I would say that Every day I learn more about the potential and then the interesting tangible ways in which we can access that potential when we really allow ourselves to step into more of a creative, imaginative mindset that we began with as children. We can really begin to feel the infinite ways of connection, the infinite ways in which we can access and and connect with the animals. I definitely want to hear more about the ins and outs of the actual process. But first, I'm really curious about like us growing up in the Western society. Like you said, we don't necessarily have this built in belief, you know, that this is even possible. And especially growing up in a a religious megachurch type setting, did you get a lot of resistance from your community and family members and your own doubts? I mean, you mentioned it was clearing away a lot of a doubt. So how did you how how did you cope and how did you how did your community react? Well, any process of developing our intuition, I believe, is the most important primary work is to clearing away those limiting belief systems and those doubts that creep in that have been fostered and, and nurtured by communities that were that were doing their best but didn't quite see the 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 whole expansive picture because it wasn't it wasn't brought down and distilled from generation to generation. So I did receive a lot of pushback and I always felt different. I know many of us felt different. Many of us felt sensitive. We felt like we didn't quite fit in, like there was something missing. Animals always filled that gap for me. They, I always felt included. I always felt comforted and nurtured. I felt like it was a resonant frequency. I couldn't put my finger on that as a kid, but now I can look back and, and just know that there was a resonance there and there continues to be a resonance there. As a child, I didn't want to eat meat. I just felt such a kinship with these animals. I love them so much. Uh, there wasn't a word in my society then to describe not eating meat. Um, mm. I, I had to build those roads even into college, creating um, spaces for there to be at least rice and beans on the menu. I didn't eat meat as a young child in the second grade to the fourth grade, but then that slowly, there was just no fostering for it. So I think I just slowly dwindled back into that. But I just always remember having thoughts that other people didn't have, seeing things in different ways It didn't that other people didn't, but I found it quite hard to navigate all of those feelings as a child without any sort of contextual words to describe what I was experiencing. That's the beauty of being a little older and a beauty of connecting in uh, with our intuition and other societies and other civilizations who have fostered these ideas of connection to spirit, connection to animal, connection to intuition, connection to guides and ancestors and such is that they have those words built in. And and so mm. what we're doing right now is kind of creating these within our own unique modern society where we're building these foundations of, of what, you know, what terms we can use to describe what we're experiencing and give context to all of that. You know, if I had had someone nurturing my abilities and, and nurturing and supporting the way I saw the world as a young kid, I don't think I would have lost touch 
with my abilities, I don't think I would have sort of suffocated different aspects of my telepathy or my imagination so I could, you know, kind of fit into the mold. But, you know, I believe that's such an important part of the process. It made me a little upset for a while, a couple years of reckoning and reckoning Mm -hmm. with my parents about all of that. But I realized that, you know, they were just doing the best I can. And I came here to create inroads, so to speak, for for the next generation and for for subsequent peers who are ready to open up to these things, to remembering those things, those thoughts and feelings that they had as children of of, of loving the animals, of wanting to just be with them all the time, uh, feeling a deep, deep kinship with with Mother Earth, with the trees, with you know, feeling feeling the sadness when we when we witness the loss of a tree or loss of a of a farm to a development. You know, we all felt those things as kids, but we didn't quite have the words or society mm-hmm. didn't give us a context to describe. So I think this is just an important opportunity uh, to be excited about building those paradigms. You know, I'm over the mourning process. <laughs> yeah, well, that's great that you now in your work can help expand other people's vocabularies because that's for me that's what I found to be so valuable about different books and different um, teachers and systems that they give you the words to help describe it in different way even like going to therapy you get a whole new set of helpful vocabulary that really helps you to just better express and integrate these things into like different ways of living you know that that is familiar like you're saying it's it's childhood stuff it's like what we used to know but now we can just explain it better so I like that you bring that up when we talked before you had mentioned that you did organic farming for a while and I'm curious if the energy around plants and working with plants is different or really similar to working with animals I feel like the plants really laid the groundwork for me to open up to my connection with the animals because so much of this work, as I alluded to a little bit earlier, is about pace, is about stillness, is about slowing down to the rhythms of earth, slowing down to be able to hear and to listen to the messages we are receiving, to feel the vibrations of earth, to tap into the pulse And so farming was a really great introduction into that for me with the plants. And I actually started farming quite early on after college. I had a, I got a degree in photojournalism and religious studies, and it was a really, really beautiful time, but I I still felt like I had run into a lot of red tape and bureaucracy, like there was these limitations that I wanted to transcend. And I felt disenchanted at the end of that collegiate experience, even though it was so beautiful and enriching and and important for me to do. I wanted to experience something tangible. I was longing for a real deep connection and growing food was the only thing that made sense to me, especially in a world that felt quite chaotic. And that's sort of a theme that is resonant even with us today of, you know, wanting to connect with the land again, wanting to to be able to take care of ourselves, to, to nurture and nourish our families in, in, in harmony with the land. And so plants have a beautiful way of imparting their wisdom in ways that we can't even quite intellectualize. You know, when we're working with animals, they're, they're mammals like ourselves. They have eyes and they breathe in the same way that we do. And so they're, they're easier for us to connect into in a way. And we can see how we are similar. We're going through this earth experience in a physical body 
in a familiar way to each other. But with the plants, they're they're so unique from us. They're so ethereal in a way. They're they're almost like fairy-like in a sense. And so mm-hmm. they teach in their own ways. And I feel like they communicate similarly. You know, once you learn to engage your intuition and you can learn how to connect in with the animals or plants, you realize that the voice, the voices are all really similar. It's just a matter of, again, clearing away those those impeding thoughts that limit our our expansiveness to being open to these ideas that we can communicate with plants and animals, but also, you know, being still enough to hear them and sitting in the fields and, and watching them throughout a whole entire season, watching their life cycles. What I love about plants is they have these shorter life cycles, but develop these amazing systems underground and in realms unseen. They're extremely collaborative and they're extremely giving and generous and in ways that are energetic and then also physical and nourishing and medicinal. So I think plants teach us a lot about also how to use animal medicine because we understand plant medicine to a degree. Herbalism mm-hmm. came around a little bit before a lot of different animal medicines into our into our cultural consciousness, you know, sort of like yoga is a precursor to other things. Uh, mm-hmm. Plant medicine was kind of on the forefront. It was something we could engage in a physical way. And so when we understand what the plant offers us medicinally, you know, for instance, um, you know, goldenrod is good for the urinary tract or lamb's ear is good for for sort of like as a Band-Aid for our skin. We can also see the energetic components of that. What, what do I feel like being around this plant? What do I feel like being around a rose in bloom? What does this combination of, of purple and gold flowers blooming that I, in, this, in the fall that I see with all the pollinators buzzing around, how does that make me feel? And then using those sort of feelings and using that context that the plants describe to to tap into that context within the animals. How do I feel being around this animal? What does it do for my nervous system? How can I relax when I'm around a dog? Or when I look into the eyes of a whale or when I see a a lion walking confidently in the Sahara on a video, you know, how does that make me feel? And then we can kind of engage those sort of energetic medicines in a completely different way than we ever have. So there's a lot of really fun overlap between plant and animal medicines, but the, the plants really taught me, taught me a lot in the beginning in sort of terms of like of pace and consistency. And we need to, you know, if we're cultivating plants, we have to be really, really careful and, and diligent to their care. Then I moved into the animal medicine and then the animal medicine revealed to me so much more about how the plants worked as well. So there's, there's so much, so much amazing collaboration going, going on there between all of these species on earth. Yeah, because so, they're all related, especially if you're dealing in the realm of wild animals. Mm-hmm. They are all so beautifully together in their ecosystem. I like how you how you talked about using your emotions about them and your experience, seeing just seeing them as this touch point to enter into your like inner world and try to understand how it's affecting just like your inner energy. I think that's a great um, way to think about it. I've been thinking actually a lot about food now that we are seeing such disruption in the normal supply chains and just potentially thinking about like, okay, I mean, grocery stores are, I don't know how they are for you in Vancouver, but they've been quite bare, you know, where I am down here in Washington. So it's led me to think about all the ways that we can turn back to nature to kind of get to know her again, as far as 
like how can we grow our food you know if the need arises and i'm really interested in hearing what along those lines you think in general the animals have to offer about addressing all the the energy that's swirling around right now all the the panic and the fear and the divisiveness you know that what in general can you say about that well I'd like to divide that into the wild animals relationship and then the domestic animals relationship because we're, we sort of oscillate between the two in terms uh-huh. of gleaning inspiration and they have two different ways of operating. So I'll start with what the companion animals are teaching us and then I'll move into the wild animals. So wonderful. The companion animals are offering such support in this time of unknown, this time of disruption. I like that word because it, it, you know, we are being, our systems and our ways of being and our ways of doing things are literally coming to a halt or coming, we're coming to a fork in the road. We have to make, we have to make different priorities and all that. And so the companion animals are really keeping us buoyant during this time. They are completely reliant on us and they fall into the safety net of that every single day. They have no worries that we aren't going to be tending to their basic needs at any moment because we have this beautiful, beautiful connection established. They are members of our family. They are working with us in ways that we can't even notice on the intellectual level. They are supporting us energetically and they're connecting us with other aspects of earth. If you have a cat in their home, in your home, they are working to dispel lower energies out and their purrs are working within your own nervous system to balance you to to offer different frequencies when they when they're dreaming and napping all day they're they're doing these exercises there's meditative exercises they're keeping the frequency of the home buoyant they're keeping they're keeping us all inspired these little behaviors that they're Mm -hmm. running around doing right now they're keeping us on our toes and thinking differently our dogs are extremely loyal dogs are very mission based so at a time like this they know uh, it's a call to action they are ready at any moment to offer companionship to move us out of the house to go on a walk they are uh, ready to snuggle and, and curl in close if need be uh, they're they're tending to the children if you have those those little ones running around at home, they're, sp- they're paying special attention to the energetics of the home. That's what they usually do. But now they're, they're on high alert because they might not be engaged one-on-one with what, what's going on with us societally, but they, they feel that through us by proxy. And so they're, they're doing whatever they can to, to balance the home, both dogs and cats, which are people's primary companion animals. I know mm-hmm. there's many birds and turtles and fish around also doing similar work in their own unique ways. And so those companion animals are just reminding us to relax into this space, to enjoy this time, to find solace that we will always be provided for, that there's always another solution. There's always a different way of looking at things. Their main agenda right now is to just keep us keep us grounded, to keep us aware, to keep us balanced, to keep us getting fresh air, clean water, and and keeping us nourished. That's their that's what they are interested in most days. And so they're, they're making that our priority as well. Mm. In contrast, when we look to the wild animals, when we work with the wild animals, we're sort of moving into this place of infinite potential, infinite connection. There is so much that we have forgotten. 
about earth and how to connect in with her, how to harmonize, how to live and thrive here on planet earth. What's beautiful about this time is that we're in such a time of peace. Like we can all come out now and, and emerge into the forests and we can emerge to the ocean, into the sea and the rivers and the creeks or the pond, whatever sort of body of waters around you and find solace that we are we are meant to be here on earth and we are protected here. We are nurtured here. It's a time to to slow down and connect in with the plant kingdoms, to connect in with the with the etheric realms of earth that we might have glimpsed from time to time, but have not had as much time allotted in our schedule to time to connect with. And so the wild animals are, are pointing us in the direction of our, our wildness within. They're helping us to balance the wildness within to the wildness without. Many of you, you listening have have had some connection to gardening or some connection to herbalism or some connection to forest bathing or being outside. And it's really time, they're saying, to tune in to the minutia of those activities, what they're offering, how we can offer those to others, how we can continue to forage. And they love this idea of foraging and collect, connecting in with plant medicine because in that way we connect in with the energy of earth. We harmonize, we remember what we used to do here. There's a beautiful balance field to be struck for humanity between cultivation and foraging and doing it in a way in such that no societies are marginalized in the process, whether it be a, a tree society, an animal society, a human society, that there is enough. The wild animals are very emphatic of this idea of enough. When there is an imbalance, it's it's this sort of manufactured imbalance here on earth. So we're kind of allowed this time to step into a new sovereign way of being and, and reevaluating our systems and realizing that we had enough and maybe we didn't need as much as we were taking and, and, and all of that. I love that you brought up that reminder that any scarcity that we perceive is manufactured and often marketed to us to like reinforce our belief that there isn't enough. So thank you for sharing that. And I also, <laughs> I love that you brought up foraging too, because I just ordered two foraging books because that's something we moved up here to Washington several years back. And that's been on my list ever since we've gotten up here. Like I need to learn how to forage the forest. So I finally, finally went and got those books and I'm excited to learn about how to, to get wild food out of the forest. Mm, that's so beautiful. And those those wild foods are so potent, so activated, uh, so activating, you know, as in, uh, in, in contrast to our cultivated foods, which are so beautiful and nourishing, especially ones that are grown uh, in loving environments, sand, pe sands, pesticides and such. Uh, there's such an opportunity for immediate growth and evolution when we connect in with those with those wild foods, our wild brothers and sisters that are growing in the fields, ready, ready to teach and connect with us. Yes. So I would like to hear about the, the ins and outs of, of your process of communicating. Like, is there any special steps or anything you do to tune in? Tell me all about that. I'm so fascinated. Mm. Well, I have always been a feeling person. Many of you resonate with that being a child and being told that you were too emotional or you felt too much. I never really got that feedback, but I sensed it from people because 
I always wanted to make other people feel at ease because I understood what disease was. Mm -hmm. And so I made it my entire life's mission to make other people feel comfortable and sometimes quite often at the expense of my own. And so if, if any of that resonates with you, then it will, the way I work might also resonate with you as well. So being so connected to my feelings and connected to my heart and and empathy and all of that. That's how I connect in with the animals. I always use a picture to connect in. It's not necessary, but I find that looking an animal in the eye is such a potent connective device and it helps me tap right into their energy. I like to use the term energy signature because that's how I can make those distinctions without having this opportunity to be with them in physical form. I do all of my work remotely. So I could be communicating with a dog in the Netherlands or a cat in Bosnia. It does, it's all, it's all moot. It doesn't matter where they are because we're all connected energetically, electrically, etherically, magnetically, all that sort of stuff. And so in that process, I feel what that animal feels. And they also provide conversational points and they provide messages that they would like to convey to their human companions. Um, if it is a, an animal companion reading or something like that, but it's, it's really this process of acknowledgement of knowledge, acknowledging that animal at the higher expression, acknowledging ourselves at the higher expression, connecting in, in that way. Um, we're sort of stepping out of our physical experiences while also paying homage to them simultaneously. So it's like a, it's a soul connection that is informing our physical experience. Many people get caught up in the minutia of the physical experience. So it's hard for them to step, step above and, and see it from a higher plane, see it from the soul's perspective, what these situations are teaching us, how we are informed by our experiences. And so, but in my, in my work and in readings and such, I facilitate a two-way dialogue between a human, human and animal companions. And the implications of this are just infinite, but they, they can be used to address different issues of behavior, to address, uh, different, um, bodily issues and things like that to deepen our soul connections in general and to to prepare for different transitions. So there's there's so much opportunity there to connect and, and ultimately to find balance and harmony and, and a deeper appreciation and gratitude for each other. You know, it's the same it's the same thing for our, our different family members when we when we see them from we see them in a different way. We see them for what they offer and, and how what we offer complements them. Then we can all just get into a more celebratory spirit of, of all these different connections. We, and we just live ultimately more in gratitude for them. And I think that's sort of the motif of what we're, we're going to be experiencing as we ride the waves of what is currently happening in the world is just an intense, intense gratitude for, for all that we have. I love that you used the word celebratory, getting into a celebratory relationship of gratitude with not only the deeper, truer self of yourself, but of your family members and your animals and the wild animals and the earth at large. I think that's a beautiful way to think of it. And I like how you how you called animal societies societies, you know, because that's not 
a word that we would generally use to say, oh, the tree society over there or the, you know, I mean, unless you're used to viewing the earth as something that you're part of, but like in the traditional Western view of nature, that hasn't been the case. So other than other than that mind shift of, of viewing yourself as equals, you know, with animals and plants, like seeing them as their own societies that we can interact with. Are there any other helpful intuitive practices that you um, would say would help someone who is interested in this type of connection? There is so much opportunity afforded to us and and sort of progress of, of thought and progress of being in looking at all of earth in a new way through a new lens. I think we have an opportunity here to really step into a a new relationship with Earth, a new way of being, a new way of listening. And they're not so novel. It's more of a remembering. We are remembering our faculties of, of intuition, of telepathy, of connection, of intuiting what food is good for us, what plants we want to collaborate with, what animals we want to engage with, and what the birds are telling us what bird song means. So I find that this whole process is rather rather interactive and contextual. Like the example that you gave of tree societies and all that sort of thing, because of growing up in our, in our Western world and the convenience of looking at humans as a sort of superior species, it's important to, to shift our, our, our whole vocabulary and our, all of our reference points to seeing us all as, as complementary, interconnected beings living in harmony on Earth. What I love about deeply connecting in with different plant and animal species is that they all are masters of, of alchemy, of technology, of, of living elegantly on Earth. One of my favorite animals that had, had taught me that so, so lovingly was pelican. I remember watching them fly over the waves and just holding their flight maybe one foot above the ocean, steady and, and beautiful and elegant. And then you also have this other contrast to Pelican where they're loud and they're squawky and they, they, mm-hmm. they have these giant mouths and these big gullets and, and they, they maintain, you know, fisheries and, and all that sort of thing. So when you really like break down a species and engage like who they are and the energy that they offer, what they offer this planet, the medicine, the, the, the more energetic medicine they offer, and then the physicality that they do also that keeps earth in alignment, keeps all of the systems in balance. And you really get to paint like a, a much more expansive picture to engage with. When we think of the technology of Pelican, their technology of flight, their technology to remain waterless, you know, the water just rolls off their back, their their abilities to dive deep and despite all of these sort of pressures. Those are things that we cannot do in our human bodies. Having seeing that contrast sort of gets our mind thinking in different ways, um, opening up our abilities to p- perceive what is what is within our own potential? You know, what if we had not had birds on this planet? Would we have thought we could build planes? You know, um, right. so it's cool to to pay homage where homage is due, and realize that many of the great thinkers were inspired by different animals at different times on Earth. You know, from snail to pelican to you know iguanas hanging upside down in in trees with these amazing suction cups. So painting these different pictures allows us 
this opportunity to to sort of step more into our, our imagination and more of that childlike sense of wonder. Met, you know, children offer their own medicine and they, they remind us of our intuition. I think each new child that is born onto the planet contains all this new like DNA and almost like a software upgrade. That's why children are so important to older people because they remind us of not just what we can do, but they bring all this new information to earth to play with and to to step into as well when we have a when we have a tension between generations and we're we're losing out on a whole lot there. Um, to be, you know, it's important to not be dismissive of the new ways of doing things and also paying homage to the, the old ways of doing things as well and, and find joy in that alchemy. And again, in terms of intuition, I think it's incredibly important to be out in nature, um, to be, you know, if you want to learn a language, what is the best way to, to do that in its immersion. So if you want to learn Spanish, you know, go to go to Mexico and immerse yourself in, in the language and the people and the culture and the customs there. And then the you're forced to do it, but you, because it's the only language there spoken, but then you also get all this amazing context to what that language means and how it feels to speak those words there. And so you can apply that same concept to telepathy. When you go into the forest, all of the, the the main language there is telepathy. Everyone's communicating in different ways and in different frequencies and vibrations and feelings. So spend more time where telepathy is the main language. And that means outside of the city, outside of the home where there's different, where we are working with different technological things and stuff and stepping outside of that to, um, you know, breathe clean air and, and hear birdsong. Um, and then also anything that we can do to silence the voices in our mind that are not supportive of that process and and honor them and thank them for their service. Thank you for your years of those limiting beliefs that you were telling me, but I'm ready to shed those things and move into a different space. Yeah, I like that you bring up the immersion aspect, but also how simple it seems like a lot of what you're talking about is just really carefully observing these things that are always all around us, but just like stopping, slowing down how you were talking about earlier with the plants, but slowing down to observe how they interact in life. Like that is, that is much of the medicine of them is, is observing them and then gleaning the wisdom from how they live and trying to apply it to ourselves. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. I think everything is right beneath our nose. And Mm -hmm. we could probably live in one square mile our entire lives and be astounded by what we continue to discover and what is new within that area. Life is so much about initiation. And as we are, we don't really live in a culture of initiation. You know, I think it's important to, to celebrate what each phase of life represents and to engage in sort of like a proper initiation and what we learn about different ways of being and different aspects of ourselves and just different responsibilities that we have in, in different parts of our life and, and how it, you know, it's this beautiful coming and going. And I think that's what the, the animal medicine wheel or the medicine wheel represents. And it's important to, to keep observing because in the observation, we realize there is abundance. In the observation, we realize there is there is life, there is potential, there is another way. When we have this really concrete view of the world and a concrete way of doing things, it, it's limiting. 
everything that we need is, I believe, ready to for us to receive, but it can't come in unless we create a sort of energetic opening for it to to come into. You know, if you believe that love isn't possible, it's really hard to to bring it in because that's sort of a it's sort of a dispelling energy. But you know, participating in the energy of love brings in an abundance of of love to you. So. Mm. Yeah, I I like that you brought up having a flexible mindset and that is what makes, you know, new insight possible when you're willing to let go of your previous limiting beliefs. And I remember you saying in one of the whale and dolphin circles that dolphins, one of their roles is to help us see and feel again or something to that effect. And that really struck me because not only like the, again, like, like it's a remembering more than like a new way of learning, but also just the flexibility, like the internal, mental, emotional flexibility required to, to bounce back into that state, you know, of openness, of heart openness, of compassion, you know, when everything around us is, is trying to help us close, you know, and we want to open. Yeah. I loved, I loved those words about the dolphins that you had said, And I know we're getting a little short on time and I really want to hear what the whales have to say. If you could share um, a message specifically for this time, for this audience. I I wanted to say to that, um, to your dolphin point, it's very lovely. And um, I think we all deserve a lot more credit for what we're doing and we need to give ourselves more credit and continue to be in that celebratory energy because what we are doing is is huge. You know, if, if we have more context to see what we're doing, we can we will give ourselves a lot more slack uh, for all of this stuff that we are processing and integrating. You know, not only are the dolphins helping us to see and remember, but they are also reminding us that we are doing this incredible alchemy equation because we are remembering the old ways of being, also remembering who we are, getting in touch with our essence, and while also alchemizing this all for the modern world to be digested, to be understood, to be accepted. And so that's a huge deal. Uh, That's a really important thing to allow space for, to allow time for. And when we feel, when we feel overwhelmed to honor and acknowledge that when we feel tired to allow ourselves to rest and relax and and really fall deeply in love with this process, because the, the magnitude, I think of what we are doing has not yet been revealed to us. And we get little glimpses of it and we have little rememberings. Um, but we are really we are really creating a new a new paradigm, and the more that we can we can celebrate that and, and participate and collaborate in that energy together, the stronger that it becomes, and, and the 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 burden will be lifted a little bit more as we as we acknowledge all that we are doing to sort of clear these old ways of being, to clear out the, these old thoughts, these limiting belief systems, and sort of these karmic ties, so to speak, that have bound earth for a very long while, that have bound our own societies and our own families. You know, we're, we are we are clearing out a lot in, in conjunction with the animals and the plants, and they are providing a, a foundation for us to do so. So it's, it's a whole lot of reason to celebrate. 
Thank you for that perspective. That That's like what I, I needed to hear, I think, right now. I think that you're using the word celebration again. And I think that that is so important for the, especially for a time like this, when we have cause to look around and see what what can we celebrate and what should we be valuing and celebrating, you know, that maybe we haven't previously had time or, or chosen to look at. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, I know everyone fell in love with the Marie Kondo, like you hold it in your hand and does it bring you joy, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. sort of what, what we're doing with our time right now is we are prioritizing what brings us joy. We really have this opportunity here to sort of rebuild an entire energetic infrastructure, even if we don't have the opportunity to participate in the physical infrastructures that are happening you know, right. we are we are creating a new um, infrastructure of energy, a new infrastructure of thought, a new infrastructure of communication and collaboration and community. And those are ultimately the things that are most important. That's what the animals are always getting us to look at is what's beyond, you know, because our thoughts inform our reality. If enough people start participating in these thoughts, participating in this infrastructure of connection and in harmony and in absolute reverence and uh, reverence for all of life and, and sacredness of ourselves and our experiences and the species that we share a planet with, then all of the rest just seems to fall in place because the the energetic priorities are there. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Especially to see all of our systems, the, the economic systems, the healthcare systems, everything is experiencing a breakdown right now. And that's a good reminder to for us personally like while yeah we're not the people at the top making the systems up but we can lay the groundwork for the energetic systems and the relating between humans like the human to human and human to animal and nature interaction like that's what we can do right now yeah i think every you know with everything in our environment you know, like I I talked about earlier, you know, everything that we need is right under our nose. We just realize a different relationship to it, you know, and, um, when, when looking at these scary things, like the encroachingness of technology or 5g, all that sort of stuff that strikes fear too, you know, because there are repercussions in the physical world for implementing those things and for integrating more technology into our lives and, and also letting go of different sorts of privacies and such, we, you know, we can relate to those things in all in like one or one or two ways. And that's love and connection or, or fear and allowing that to sort of settle into our bodies and, and carry as we carry it with us. And I think many of us right now are choosing to use all of this infrastructure in a loving way, to use it in a collaborative and communicative way. And while it um, albeit might not be perfect right now, you know, we're moving into that space where, you know, the technologies that we create are in more harmony with our bodies and with our earth and they connect us in better with the energetic grids of earth, you know, and where we learn to lovingly harvest the energy of earth without making any sort of blunders in the process as we have been doing for a while here now. (laughs) Um, I think there's so much opportunity here to take heart and it's really a, a scary time, but that's okay because this time is meant to bring all of our fears to the surface. I know many of you have, you know, as you are, many of you are on the path to 
opening up your awareness and stepping into the trueness of who you are. So you are used to this idea of looking your fears in the face and journeying on the shadow path um, to to find your true essence. And, And the longer you do that, the more comfortable you feel with the process. And you realize all of the allies you have along the way, Jaguar walking with you as a shadow companion, Um, all the medicines of animals that we might have a tendency to fear like snake or, or, or shark or jaguar, even the big, the big cats, the, the, the Mm -hmm. wolves, the leadership, um, and loyalty medicines. So realizing that all the things that we have that, that incite the most fear in us are, are really showing us an opportunity to transcend that fear and to step into an entirely new way of being. And, and again, alluding to that celebratory nature, when we, when we realize what we're doing, we're realizing we're going through these initiations, we're going through these processes together to, to create a new world and new way of being that we can really find a little bit more joy in the process and, and seeing it from a higher perspective, as opposed to the the minutia of day to day that can be quite, quite unsettling. Yeah, exactly. I find it so fascinating that the spring equinox, which is kind of the initiation of the earth, you know, into this new season and to, and it's the energetic type new year that that has, has just happened last week in the midst of all of this. And we did our last episode on fear and, and all the things that we can learn from our fear. And, and I know for myself, I've been kind of vacillating between this, this fear panic and this, this hope that the transformation and the initiation that we're all going through and having to in real time confront fears and, and our mortal (laughs) natures and like the impermanence of systems and things, all of that, that makes us feel very uncomfortable, but we are having to do that. And ultimately I believe it's going to be a, it can be a, a wonderful thing for us, but I like that you brought up the animals that are there to assist us with that, like the animals that we are afraid of that seem very fearsome. Yeah, I'm going to have to think about that a lot more and see what animals come to me in that light. I just watched this beautiful video that my friend sent of the wolves in Yellowstone and how Mm. they had been gone from Yellowstone for 90 years. And the reintroduction of the wolf population, albeit quite minimal, in relationship to what once was, was vital for many reasons, like the reintroduction of many species and also the the trees were allowed to grow again, the fields were allowed to grow, but quite prominently, the, the rivers were allowed to to be established again and create this whole different way of being it. Like the wolves returning created this whole new geography on earth wow. because the, the beavers were allowed to return the the hawks were allowed to return the deer populations they stayed in different aspects of the park and so things weren't overeaten and, and everything was able to come back into this harmony because the predator had returned and i know even in my own life it's, it's hard for me to think about the predator from time to time sometimes it feels heartless especially just like on looking you know mm-hmm. orca orca brings that up for us a lot we don't understand yes. um, all the decisions that orca makes and sometimes they they seem callous but i i know that ultimately they are doing what they they know to be right and to keep not only their their families and pods alive but to keep their the system of the oceans that they maintain and have rigorously maintained for so long 
in check. And I, I love that metaphor of Yellowstone because once the the predator came into place and, you know, sort of representing that fear, you know, we have this opportunity right now to come into proper relationship with our with our fear, you know, allowing that fear to to teach us and to to be released. And then everything else is allowed to to follow suit and the everyone can can get back to living a prosperous abundant life and the rivers can return to flowing and and connecting us all and in going to the ocean and so it's just the magnitude of, of potential is is important to keep in our hearts right now as as we go through all of this and it feels like rug upon rug upon rug upon rug it's, it keeps getting pulled out from under our feet to, to remember the magnitude of potential and carry that close in our hearts and carry it cupped in our hands in front of us as we would a beautiful little baby bird that we are returning to its nest. I, I feel, I know it will resonate within many of your hearts to that that's something that you, that you came here to do or that you feel is right. So anything that we can do right now to stay in those frequencies of joy and love and celebration at this point will just expedite the process of, of order being restored, I think, to our civilizations, uh, our human civilizations in particular, and then subsequently the animal ones who are every day impacted by all of our sorts of imbalances. Yes, absolutely. That's great. I love that a metaphor, not only of the predator, but of the, the baby bird holding it like a baby bird because that's such a gentle way to approach ourselves <laughs> you know that we're not trained necessarily to do like we're trained to to beat ourselves up over whatever it is we're doing no matter what in many ways so yeah the the gentleness of holding a baby bird I really like that yes we are um we are our inner mothers and inner fathers nurturing our our inner child at, at every moment and, and recognizing what we need and what is what needs to be replenished and uh, gentleness and delicacy are something that have been missing much from our especially western world and we have an opportunity here to to rectify that and to to find the balance between all of these masculine and feminine energies i know in the past that the a lot of um women have felt the need to engage more of a masculine energy to make it in the world. And, and now we are getting mm -hmm. this time to sort of express ourselves back into a more feminine way and not, not in a gen, I don't mean in a gendered way or by any means, but just like this, the, what those sort of energies represent, we can choose which one we want to put into which gear according to what's going on in our lives. And I think it's important to, to engage a lot of that feminine nurturing motherly sort of Gaia energy today that a lot of animals represent, you know, like rabbit represents a beautiful feminine energy, otter mm -hmm. and her flowing ways, you know, whale, humpback whale has a beautiful feminine energy as well. So yeah, that's beautiful. Well, if, if you are ready to share a message from the whales right now, we can do that. Or is there anything else you want to share as far as reconnecting to, to balancing our our masculine and feminine energies or reconnecting with our child? Yeah, I'll say one last encapsulating thought about this time and, and what is afforded to us here. And I think it is a great opportunity for us to really sink into trust, to really find what resonates with us and what is in harmony with ourselves, our families, our communities, and 
all that we share space with in this world. Our companion animals, the wild animals, the plants, and all the etheric beings on earth are truly ready now to support this new way of being. They've been waiting for us for a very long time and and patient with the process, knowing knowing the timing full well and and doing doing their part and working diligently this entire time to to prepare and to be prepared to support us in this really interesting time. And I personally am really grateful for this is a much more softer and generous way of it happening than I imagined it would. I know we've had we've seen and witnessed lots of sort of like apocalyptic scenarios and sort of that sort of thing that feel feel really harsh but I think this is a, a very loving way for this to all transpire and uh, the animals are just con- encouraging us to continue on in that loving nature despite what the world may be telling us to feel and all of the fear around us but to keep to keep balanced in love and and reciprocity and symbiosis as we move forward hmm. yeah that's beautiful thank you for for summing that up so nicely. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, so as I said before, I'm really connected to the whales and dolphins and I offer a monthly time to connect in with them. And they are always informing informing my work and, and inspiring me to dive deeper in different ways and to fully embrace my humanness and also my cosmic nature as well and how those two things interplay to be distilled here into an amazing and an infinite earthly experience. And so I'm going to bring through uh, the messages from the whales and dolphins at this time to, uh, they want to offer us some, some practical advice, some tangible ways of navigating while also holding our energies close to them. And so that we can feel more more buoyant and effervescent at at the end of this time, um, so that we can continue to tend to what we need to tend to in our daily lives. So, the humpback whales are coming through right now to embrace us. Might help to visualize their beautiful pectoral flippers encircling you in this warm hug. Their giant bodies their massive beating hearts. You can connect to their heartbeat in this moment. Their heartbeat is connected to the heartbeat of Earth, to the resonance of Gaia. They are saying today that human civilization is greatly impacted, but not for the worse or the better. Great change requires great change. Some things are forced to come to a halt. Priorities are being reevaluated. Systems are being examined. And truth is coming to light. More truths will continue to come to light in your own personal life. Listen to your inner truths above the truths that you hear syndicated. It is important to tune in and listen more than ever to your inner voice, to your higher self, to the wisdom of the trees and plants, elemental kingdoms and animal kingdoms. There are many societies on earth 
not just human. You can trust that we are keeping everything in check as your society feels out of balance. Look to the mountains, look to the sea, look to the wind, and remember the foundation that they continue to hold for you and will continue to hold. The grumblings of society and earth are just reminders, prompts to remember why you came here and what is important. Cling to your families at this time. Cling to what you love and what brings you joy. If it fractures your energy, turn away and find what does not. This is a time to feel whole and balanced. It is a time to stay in the higher frequencies as you are moving density through your body. As you are purging fear and eliminating limiting belief systems and limiting structures that were preventing you from being you, preventing your family from flourishing, blocking abundance, blocking love. It will take time for the dust to settle, but take heart. You will be more and more inspired with each passing day. You still have all of the resources available to you that you need. Continue to learn about resources that you weren't seeking, like ones from the plants, like animal medicine, the medicine of children, connection with each other, and always the frequency of love. This is a time of remembering This is not the first time on earth where there has been a fear or a lack or an ending. But tune into the energy of blooming plants to be reminded of phases. That this is a period of contraction so that you may soon expand into a wider and more colorful bloom than you could have ever imagined. Imagine the world that you want to live in while you feel that this one may be falling apart. It is not falling apart. It is just restructuring. You are not capable of destroying Earth. You are only capable of limiting yourself and your impact. So keep wide, open eyes. Keep an expansive heart. Look for ways to give and share. Connect in with your inner voice, your inner child, and listen to the promptings of them. You will find solace there. Tune out what doesn't serve you but seek information when need be. You are both blessed and cursed by the information available to you, but that is not a reason to diminish your intuition and the inner promptings of your soul. Take heart that we are with you always. 
The humpback whales are an ambassador to your human species. We stay along your coastlines, offering you our, our love and energy at all times. We even come to greet you in your boats and find you in all sorts of media. We will continue to come to you as a sign to take heart, to keep moving and pressing forward with love. You will see us on Instagram. You will see us on YouTube. You will see us on your television and in your ads. We will be revealing ourselves to you serendipitously after this time as a reminder to take heart. The dolphins now are coming in to cast everyone here in a golden web of bubbles, shimmering, effervescent bubbles, sort of a bath of immersive energy, clearing out all of the density that we have been walking through these past couple of weeks. This clearing, buoyant energy is available to us also at any moment when we need a refresher. If you are not able to go outside, connect in with the dolphins and ask them to move your energy to work with your with your DNA, to work with you at the cellular level, to work with your energy and your auric field, to help cleanse, restore, and find balance. The dolphins are encouraging us to keep our posture straight, to keep our chins high, and to keep laughing and living joyfully going outside and grounding our feet on the earth and also putting our hands in water and our feet in water, splashing water on our faces at any time to encourage a, a, a cleansing energy, to build up our, our etheric field so that we may be repellent of all things we wish to not enter it. The dolphins remind us that we are stronger than we realize. And this is an opportunity for us to step into that strength and to really step into an energy of trust as the humpback whales introduced. The humpback whales and the dolphins and in triangulation with the orca at the end of our time who have come through so lovingly to offer this wisdom are, are forming a, a three-pointed triangle around us today saying that everywhere we look we are swaddled in their energy and love we are the same as them there is no difference we are all here on earth with a mission and with a deep satisfaction for living, a reverence for life, and a desire to make the world a better place for all who inhabit it. It's time to limit all of our erosive belief systems that do not serve in this triangle where we are supported. They will incinerate all of those energies on our behalf as we step forward, renewed and vanquished of what does not serve us, emitting a beautiful white and golden light 
ready to offer our truth and love to the world. They say to keep love at the forefront of everything we do and we will not be steered wrong. The whales offer us gratitude for being here today, for participating in this connection with them. And they say they will keep showing up. They will keep reminding and they will keep supporting us as we celebrate the magnanimity of what we do here on earth. They're sending their love and gratitude and we extend our gratitude to them as well. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that and thanks to the whales. I will definitely keep my eye out. <laughs> I will have my eye on them. <laughs> um, looking out for them. That was beautiful and so soothing. Like my whole body feels just entirely relaxed <laughs> right now. So I'm sure that'll come through when, when the rest of the audience listens to it as well. Um, wow. Thank you so much, Kristen. Um, before we sign off here, can you, can you share how the audience can get in touch with you and um, talk about your offerings before we head out? Yes, of course. So my name again is Kristen Hauser and my business name is Fauna Speak. And my website is www.faunaspeak.com, F-A-U-N-A-S-P-E-A-K.com. And my Instagram handle is at faunaspeak. And I'm very interactive on there, always posting and engaging and sharing different animal medicines and musings and animals that I come across, including a lot of bald eagles and and bees and flowers and lots of blossoming lately on there. So it's, um, it's a beautiful way to participate. And on my website, you can find all of my offerings. I offer uh, animal communication readings as well as human readings and how, um, and, and how to navigate different, different situational experiences in our life so we can step forward into our, into our trueness of heart. And in addition to that, I also offer mentorship to develop your own intuition, to develop your your communication with the animals. And also if you are already an intuitive working, how to further develop your heart-based business. Uh, there's also, I also do lots of workshops and I hold my monthly whale and dolphin circle the last Thursday of every month. And it's always a free offering and anyone can join from anywhere on the world via, in the world via Zoom. As I bring through the messages of the whales and dolphins for what we are going through at that time and offering their, their insights and practical ways of navigating life. So there's lots of ways from, from individual sessions to workshops, to free offerings, to, to engage my work as well as lots of content that I like creating, uh, which is also available on faunaspeak.com. Yeah. Thanks so much. I would encourage anyone listening. Definitely. Um, give her a follow on Instagram because that's how I first came in contact with you, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, always very uplifting messages and medicine from the animals and nature. And, um, I've, I've been to the, the whale and dolphin circle several times and it has been a, a very wonderful 
experience for me. So yeah, anyone who feels um, drawn to that, do do get in touch with her. And thank you so much, Kristen, for for sharing your wisdom and your um, the the medicine from the animals today. I feel very thankful that you were able to talk to me today in spite of all that is going on. Well, thank you, Amy. I so appreciate your work in the world and your your beautiful art offerings and then also fostering this amazing sort of engagement for us to all come together and share and 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 feel feel a sort of closeness no matter what's going on in the world. So, thank you. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Before we part, we'd like to say thanks for listening, and we hope you'll connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We would love to hear from you and appreciate all feedback, shares, and likes. To learn more and subscribe to our newsletter, visit intentionists.com. And no matter where you are or what you're creating, we send you love and invite you to breathe and begin. See you next week.